1: The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no
2: doubt. God bless the U.S. God bless the U.S.A. Some Rawls going to be our guest. And David is hosted on this program quite a, quite a few times, but uh, David is uh, one of the film producers that put together the January 6th documents and mm. has, has filmed, and he's got a new film coming out that, in fact, he's going to deliver to Congress. According to him, he's going to be delivering this to uh, members of Congress tomorrow. And we get a chance to do a little bit of a preview. He's going to have some short clips he's going to share with us and talk about what's going on. But, um, I, I love your conversation. Keep a positive attitude about this, Michael, because the fact is, uh, you know, you said, what, what is the key? What is the solution? I think the key and the solution is just, uh, we need to, uh, uh, do everything we can to fight these dirty SOBs, and uh, at the same time, we need to realize that God is the one who is going to ultimately prevail in this. And we are going to—we're uh, very fortunate. I, I, you know, this is a weird thing, but I feel absolutely blessed to be born in this time and be part of this struggle and even though sometimes it seems a little bit overwhelming, the fact is uh, it's not. If we turn to our Lord and Savior and understand that uh, what we've got here is literally a battle between good and evil and that these people are the evil and all I can say is I'm sure glad I'm on the right side and I feel blessed to be here today. David, this is fabulous because You've got a little bit of a story. You've been you've been approached how many times now by the FBI? In the most recent five, okay, huh, five, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just five. But you know what? I
3: keep inviting them back for more. It it kind of goes both ways, Dan. I can't say it doesn't. You know, I could lay down and and get quiet and hide and not say anything, and they might leave me alone. But that's not you my nature. You couldn't do that. You do couldn't that. do. That. It's just not my nature, brother.
2: <laughs> well, uh, David, I I did a little bit of a lead in during uh, during Michael's show, but um, you, you've got a new documentary film that you've put together from all this what fourteen thousand hours of footage. More, uh, more, more, more. Yeah,
3: yeah. I tell you what, it's it's amazing the body of evidence that's out there that. The government doesn't want anybody to see. The The media doesn't want anybody to see. Even the people that have control over it and can release it. Don't. There's mm-hmm. got to be reasons for that. And and I'm pretty sure that the reasons are it's very violent. It's very graphic. It's full of language. We had this conversation mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Oh, sure, sure. About the same thing. The footage is raw and it's real. The only problem with that is it tells a story. And that's not the same story that the media and the government has told people for two years. So, you know, Michael and Dan, both, this is the thousandth day today since January 6th. It's been a thousand days. So we started a a thousand days of terror because these J6ers, innocent protesters, have been terrorized by this government for a thousand days now. And we've seen suicides we've seen families destroyed. We've seen jobs and careers and housing and vehicles. We've seen everything that this government can, you know, touch with its power, just taken apart to pieces. And, And this is the thing I don't, people. you know, the social terrorism, you can't understand what that's like to be labeled unless you've been labeled, unless you maybe or from a different community, you've experienced this in different ways for decades. You see what I'm saying? So oh yeah, we really have to look at these root causes, Dan. and so we put a film out and it comes with the same disclaimer as writing history that we put out in June of twenty one, violence and language. And we added reality to the warning because people are not going to be prepared. After almost three years, when they see what started January 6th, they're going to be blown away. And this is a short film that we put out today. The long one is coming probably the mid, mid-October. That's what we're shooting for is a release October 17th. And it's the full timeline that goes through the whole day. This short film that we put out today It's just a little more than five minutes long, but it packs in. I promise you it's a full length documentary in five minutes. And it's, it's amazing. The guys that worked on this, AJ, Daniel and Andrew and myself, we just, uh, you know how these things work, man. They're little miracles, you know, and and when they all come together and we were up last night until this morning, I think (laughs) I might've had two hours sleep at the most if I'm lucky. So. I'm not hungover if my eyes are red. I'm just tired. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but it's been amazing putting this one together. And I I don't know if it's something that that you can show on your network because it it, it has death, it has violence, it has F bombs everywhere. People were passionate and mad that day, Dan, you know. And for good reason. And and mm-hmm. the misunderstanding is that people say, hey, this was a an armed angry mob. We're yeah, going to show you in this video that this mob was not angry, not in the ways people. Not when they started. Tra- yeah. No, not when it started. Mm-hmm. But for some reason they got angry, and we're going to show the reason why, how it happened, who did it, what time it was, everything down to the detail. And it's laid out in such a way that it's it's just like a trailer for our next movie because this takes one little thing around the one oh seven timestamp. So the gate went down at 1255. And by 107, this happened. And that set the stage for everything that happened since. And for three years, all we ever see is the middle of the fight on. And and people are thinking, well, it's the Trumpers. Look at them pushing. Look at them yelling. Look at them. Look how mad they are. They just witnessed murders. They just witnessed beatdowns. They just got grenade attacked. They just got shot with rubber bullets or gassed for nothing or got their heads split open. And this is the thing that people need to see is what made these people angry? In what way? Was it righteous? Was it justified? Because I would argue that it is. Mm -hmm. And I hope this gives people an opportunity to see something that nobody's shown them for the last three years. We've tried. We put a post out in January of 22. We've posted since then about the 107 time mark. But People are slow, and you know it takes a year or two for the things that we put out into the public to reach the public, and it's a sad delay, but that's because the big names don't say anything. They don't put the word out for us. They don't help share our material, but they want us to share their stories and make them money and sell their books. I'm so tired of that, so we took it upon ourselves, brother. And These two films are standalone. They're they're amazing, and it's not because I had anything to do with it; It's because God did. And he's the one that built this timeline. He's the one that knows those secret things that have been held back this whole time. And he doesn't waste our pain. That's the beautiful thing about this whole story to me is that this is going somewhere and it's going somewhere better than we've been. So that's, that's encouraging. Anyway,
2: that's wonderful. Well, yeah. Can you uh, do you have the uh, uh, possibility of showing us those clips? I do. I would love to show it, Dan, but I'm
3: telling you, we show deaths and, and there's a lot of violence. And if your audience is fine with reality, that's one of the warnings. We put death, violence, reality, because this is something people don't know. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's available. If you want to pull it up, we can definitely show it. Okay.
2: I, I uh, First of all, I, I don't know if uh, Thumper, it uh, looks like you just recently joined us here. Um, do you have any problem if we do some pretty graphic, uh, program here? Because the reality is just that, uh, I, I know some of this footage because we kind of, uh, uh, tried to get it softened up a little bit for the red pill, what, three years ago now, or two and a half. So we did. All
0: right. Did uh, yeah. you? uh, Dan, you're fine. Okay. Let's, uh, Wow. uh you
3: all know, there's nothing wrong with reality. Okay, well, this is well, this is going to be one of those documentary style. I mean, it's reality. It's real. It's like watching a World War II cut or something. You're going to see death. You're going to see carnage. But it's in an a, an effort to find out why and to prevent it from happening again. This is an awareness film, and uh, you know, even for the people that went that were innocent that got caught up in it or got you know. This is a sign. Watch this movie. No to stand over there. No, not to be up close. You know, be out back up. Let's surround them from a bigger area and chant and do what we we had no idea what was gonna happen. And and I'm gonna say this, you know, kind of to set the stage. Conservatives don't start fights, generally speaking. We're we're not the aggressors to go punch somebody in the face first, but we will defend people we will defend ourselves when we're attacked we will defend others and a lot of that happened and you'll see that in the short film as as Joshua Matthew Black is shot in the face and 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 you'll see the way the crowd rallies around him they're not even attacking the police at that point so the whole uh, you know notion that this crowd was angry and violent and belligerent the whole it's it's dumb and it's, it's really tragic for these people. That's a reputation smear because when we show you these videos, you'll see them just standing there, standing there. And you got cops on the radios screaming orders to a peaceful crowd that's just standing there. It's really amazing. It really is. Thumper, I well, sent you. Uh,
2: David, why don't you? Um, uh, can you do the screen share? Or do you need us to do it for uh, Mariam? Thumper-
3: Dan, Dan uh, he has sent me uh, a couple of links here or okay. um, days of terror. Yeah, the top one is the one we're looking for.
2: Okay. And, uh, David, just to reiterate what you're saying, uh, isn't it amazing? We fight like uh, like lions to try to save the republic so that people can have the freedom to choose to be as stupid as they possibly can be. That's exactly right. We fight for their right to do that, and on the other side of that coin, the, the communists and the, and the liberals that uh, claim to be there to uh, protect human rights, in fact, are the first ones to do a cheap shot or shoot yeah. you in the back or, or uh, blindside you or hit you with a bat from behind. I mean, these people are the most unbelievable chicken shits that ever
3: lived. You are right. And you know what? A lot of those same people work for the Capitol police department. And we're going to show you some of those guys in this clip too. So everybody listen, get your kids out of the room. If you don't want to see this, but here's the deal. It's also history. So uh, I've shown writing history in places with children and, and, and I warned them and the children stayed. The parents said, no, they need to experience A, a lot of kids. will never know this if you don't show them, and this is a big part of our history. So, uh, y'all sit back grab your kleenex and get ready for a five minute ride to hell and back all right here we
1: go we will soon be marching over to the capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard
4: january 6 2021 the media propaganda machine fed us a story that shapes the narrative of insurrection they intentionally left out some key details. There's an entire timeline that you haven't seen, and it tells a different story. They're going into the Capitol, I think.
3: Look, there's cops up there. Looks like they got sniper rifles. Everybody
1: stop here.
4: Where did Trump say to meet him? Down front. Uh-huh. Who were the agitators? What was the timing? How did the chaos begin? Unit 6, I need less legal teams. They could come up from the upper west terrace and
1: take an elevated position. Right now, we have a group of, uh stopped at the lower west terrace. They're not compliant, climbing staffing. Let me know when the less legal teams are in place. They want to petition our government for
4: redress of grievances. Did the officers not hear this? You were told there was fighting, but where? Shoot me!
1: Fuck you! Fuck you! Trainer! Put that gun down! Unit 6, I got a crowd fighting with officers, pushing, going for textiles. I have given warnings about chemical munitions. I need the less and lethal team positioned above me to identify the agitators and start deploying. Long! Launch! launch, launch.
4: Were there any warnings to evacuate? Much less safe exit routes. Oh, Dig deeper. The oh, do you see it? Let's slow down a little. Notice the smoke from the sniper's barrel. What do you think that means? This is where Joshua Black is shot in the face. He never saw it coming. First blood, but wouldn't be the last. Is this where the agitation began? The police line is now reinforced. Quaglin approaches the police line screaming about the shooting of an innocent protester in the face when an agitator tactically pushes him from behind into the already anxious police. The agitator Landon Copeland admitted to being a member of Antifa just after being sentenced for his involvement.
3: They're trying to save this guy's life right now. Oh, oh.
1: Oh. And what
2: happened? This what happened? The cop shot him. shot her shot the, the, the
1: fucking. What the fuck? Shot her.
2: Wow. Tell me what you think, brother. Yeah, I'll tell you what. That's powerful, no doubt about it. But right. as, as you're as you're trying to point out, I mean that it started as a peaceful protest. Well, it was a peaceful protest, right? Uh, right all the way through it. But the problem is, is that they they had all these damn uh, Antifa people and stuff embedded in the crowd that were trying to stir the pot. How many ultimately? How many uh, were identified in in the uh, in the crowd as uh, FBI or Antifa or some kind of uh, professional agitators?
3: So those numbers would literally be in the hundreds. You know, there were uh, Kenneth Copeland, the guy in the movie, admitted to being Antifa and working with hundreds of other you know, Antifa members that were there to do what they were doing. And that's, you know, but but I'm not even blaming Antifa for this. Let me tell you it was a a choreographed chaos, I think is what we said two and a half years ago, you know, with writing history. And we've seen now with Steven son's testimony about the intelligence not getting all the way to the teams, you know, Yogalanda Pittman, Nancy Pelosi, you know, where is the chain of command? Uh, with the different sergeant at arms, and and it and it's a power play, and it's exactly what uh, Nancy and everyone said. Optics, you know, they didn't want the National Guard there for optics, because the optics they wanted was this chaos. And the way it works, if you if you watch the news now, everybody's saying, and, and I called this before it happened. I said they're going to blame the Capitol Police. Oh, they were woefully underprepared. They were mm-hmm. under equipped. They were understaffed. Well, it turns out they were intentionally left out of the loop on what was coming toward him. But what was coming toward him was not a violent, angry mob. It was a protest. And, and I've explained this to other people in this way. Stop the steal is not a battle cry for violence. Stop the steal is an encouraging cry to our politicians. Right. Right. That's what we went for. And you can hear these people in the crowd. Stop here. I can play more. This is where we make our stand. We're not BLM Antifa. And of course, you get the guy on the megaphone. We're here to redress our grievances with our government, plain as day, on a bullhorn toward the cops. And yet you see Inspector Lloyd over there giving the signal from for the Sniper Tower because he's getting this call on the radio. But it's, it's hopefully plain as day for people to understand that when we're showing that crowd and he's on the radio saying they're attacking the police and throwing projectiles, there's nothing going over anybody's head. There's nothing in the air. There's no pushing and shoving. And all the videos show people standing peacefully. Now, look, if you're shaking a fence or whatever protest, they get to make noise, you know, be rowdy and all that stuff. But that's not even what they were doing at that point. And when they shot Joshua Matthew Black in the face, the people that were directly in front of the sniper tower, if you look in the in the video, and it's hard to see, there's Christopher Quaglin right in front of the sniper. Christopher Quaglin's the guy that ends up walking all the way over and yelling at the police saying, they just shot this guy. And then Copeland shoves him from the back. That started mm-hmm. the whole thing. And, and from there, it escalated. At 110, the police shoot pepper balls toward the crowd because of the pushing and shoving and and they end up shooting their own officers in the back of the head with with pepper spray you know you can see it and then at 121 is when they start the grenades mm-hmm. and and it was such a transition from people standing there talking to each other wondering what was going to happen you know they were already anxious for being on the yard they didn't know but it was a miscommunication on purpose they the police had moved barricades before people came down from the ellipse, they were supposed to direct and divert people like crowd control. And for some reason, hundreds of barricades were moved just hours before the protesters arrived. Then the Capitol police, if you think two ladies and three guys could could stop hundreds and hundreds of people that were already there. And, and that was the most nonviolent gate push we've ever seen in the front. You don't uh help the lady up that fell down if it's a violent push. That's just the way it is. So we know that it's been pumped up and amped up and, and it's to our demise. And and the thing I think this points out, not anything more than what started it is that a lot of these people after that moment are innocent. I, imagine how many thousands of people Dan were watching that guy get beaten on the ground by the cop. Over, they're holding him down. You got five cops right there, mm-hmm. and one guy is just way laying on him, and and you can see him reach all the way up behind his back and bringing it down. And this guy's against the concrete; he's not going anywhere, and mm-hmm. and thousands of people are seeing that just getting enraged because this guy ran across there with a flag or something. Hey, it's like the football game, the streaker running across the baseball field, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't all that. I mean, he, he definitely didn't run up there swinging on cops, trying to hurt anybody. Cause if that were the case, Dan, we outnumbered them so much, it would have been horrible, but all the people you see collapsed, all the people you see on stretchers, all the people you see dead are our people. They didn't have any people die. They didn't have any people in that situation. We didn't beat the life out of anybody. We didn't even come close because that was never our intention. They've been unable to prove that this whole time, and yet they continue with these prosecutions of innocent people. We see good, salt-of-the-earth, red-blooded, god feared Americans going to prison day after day. I had one on the show going for 38 months because he was up there with Ray Epps at the front. It's a horrible story, Three. And and a piece. That's a long time to sh- to spend in jail for something that, y- you know, mm-hmm. anybody else would have got a fifty dollar ticket, slap on the wrist, and sent home. You can do over three years of life in jail, in prison. That's that's not my my thing. So it's it's just a, an awareness thing, Dan. Just trying to get well, people to understand it.
2: Yeah, and I you know I I personally know quite well Stuart Rhodes, mm-hmm. and uh, Stuart's uh, spending eighteen years in prison and i know that he went there with the idea that uh, they were going to have congress do a their their d- due diligence and actually investigate what happened on election day that was why he was there That's and right. uh, i also know that the the old keepers helped a number of the police get out of the building when they were terrified and of course yeah, you know, the thing is, is it's all hype yes. that makes these people terrified in the first place.
3: Let me tell uh, y'all a story real quick, and it's a sad story, but it's a true story. You've got a, a real problem around January 6th. You know that old thing about calling the kettle black. You understand where I'm going with that. If you're the one with the problem, you're going to say the other guy has the problem. What's the number one thing that they say about all those people that went to D.C.? They were white supremist. They were Mm -hmm. hateful. They were bad, racist people. You know what, man? Those poor D.C. policemen that aren't white were literally scared for their lives. A lot of them. Mm -hmm. They really thought we were a bunch of skinhead neo-Nazis and we came to cannibalize them. They really did. (laughs) Well, and here's the reason I say that. Why else would a grown man the size of Michael Leroy Bird feel the need to shoot a, a woman half his size mm-hmm. unless he was scared out of his mind that these white people are going to come and get me. And, and same with Bryant Williams that shoved Derek Vargo off that balustrade, you know, off onto the ground, 25 feet or so. Black guy, white dude. So the black guy is scared for his life, maybe. What about Lila Morris in the tunnel beating Roseanne Boyland because she was swinging on those guys so hard she didn't even realize there's a body under her that she's just pelting. So my point is, yes, racism played a huge part in January 6th, just not the one we've been told. It's not the white people or the Trump people, because listen, there were hundreds, if not thousands of other colored people all through that crowd. Oh, sure. They weren't scared for their lives. They weren't running around thinking that all these racist, neo-Nazi skinhead, white supremacist Trump cracker supporters, you know, are going to eat them. So I think full circle, it comes to a better explanation when I tell a story about one policeman. And you know the one I'm talking about. It's Tarek Johnson, the, the black cop with the red MAGA hat. And he's the one you're talking about that the Oath Keepers were talking to him down there. He said, I've got policemen upstairs. I need to get them out. They're scared and they're stuck. And they said, Hey man, we'll, we'll take you up there. Let's go. So they start this little journey on the east side, up the stairs. And as soon as they turn the first corner, Tarek says, listen, man, hold my hand. Now Tarek is a black policeman. He's asking a white Oath Keeper to hold his hand, which the Oathkeeper does. He said, hold my hand, walk me up there. So he gives the Oathkeeper his right hand and the Oathkeeper takes that and he never let go of his hand until they were all the way up the stairs inside that door. You can see him going through the crowd. He's still pulling him by his right hand, making sure I got you. And there's another oath keeper behind Tarek Johnson. He's got his jacket balled up in his hand and he's pushing Tarek up the stairs from behind. I got your back. There's one problem with this. Tarek Johnson says that one of the lives that was saved on January 6 was his, that Stephen Sunned with just what Stephen did and trying to get you know, everything set up that that the, the things that he did strategically helped save Tarek Johnson's life. I beg to ask, when was Tarek Johnson's life ever in danger? Now, let me finish this thought. He had these, these Oath Keepers hold his hand. His right hand is his gun hand. So as he was led up those stairs all the way through that thick crowd, into the door, which was hard to get into lots of people. Matthew Perna was standing right there, helped make a hole for this officer to go in and get the other ones out. The whole time they got his hand, his gun is hanging wide open, exposed, laying on his hip. Anybody, the oath keeper behind him, anyone in the crowd that wanted to kill a black cop, man, here's your big chance. And nobody took that because that's not what we were there for. So in Tarek's mind, He's scared of white people if he thought his life was in danger. So I've seen the videos. He was never cornered. He was never pinned. He was never put up against a wall. He was never beaten on. He doesn't have any bruises or anything. But he says his life was saved from what? Mm-hmm. So you have to look at his best friend, Michael Leroy Bird, the lieutenant that day, now captain after his promotion, the one that murdered Ashley Babbitt in cold blood. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder – Michael Leroy Bird literally shot someone to death because of his fear. And he and Tarek Johnson are best friends. Do you think they share the same fears? Because Tarek's statements of my life – was in danger. That's, that's a lie. I've seen him walking through the halls, getting the Senate, walking back over here, get the House walking around, going up and down the stairs with the Oath Keepers. They had his back the whole time. And when he was by himself in the crowd, people were coming up thanking him, patting him on the shoulder. I've seen the videos, and yet he keeps perpetuating this story that his life was in danger, that Michael Leroy Byrd shouldn't be held responsible for what he did. That was Yoga Londa Pittman's problem because she didn't give the intel. If she had given the intel, Ashley Babbitt would still be alive today. I have to say that's wrong again. We don't know that. We do know that if Michael Leroy Bird hadn't pulled the trigger himself, Yolanda didn't Yolanda didn't pull his trigger for him, but for some reason he did. So, when you think about the racism When you think about the hatred, when you think about the distrust that goes along with all that, you can start to see why they keep throwing that back on us. Oh, those hateful, mean, angry, white mob. And that's as far from the truth as anything about January 6th. And and we see this peacefulness and we see this calm in the crowd, even when they're under attack. And it took, you know, 15, 20 minutes to get them really amped up after 30 minutes of it their grenades are coming into the crowd, you know, and and you're just thinking what, what reaction were the police really looking for? And and the whole point of that, Dan, The Capitol police were set up to take a fall. The Metro police were brought in as the strong arm, as the bully, as the fighters that take on Antifa and BLM in the streets all the time. That's what they do. And they came in, they start filing down. They were calling for backup before anybody even finished gathering at the front saying, hey, they're being unruly. And you see people standing with their back to the police. They're not engaging. They're there for different reasons. So I I hope the public will use this like writing history as a study film and watch it a couple times, understand it, get the flow and see that there's no way this is all chronological. This is all in order. This is the way it happened. We're just able now after two and a half years, Dan, we have so much footage. We can show it from this angle and that angle and follow it around and follow people and do all these different things that complete the story. So, I mean, that's the one thing nobody has ever shown people in, in almost three years is how it started. And, and from that point on, man, it's all history, brother.
2: I'm, uh, you know, David, I'm going to give you uh, uh, my observations, and I'm going to, uh, this is maybe food for thought. Mm-hmm. Think about this when, uh, when you're putting all these things together. It's my, uh, really, my theory that the whole two years before, with all the Antifa, all the BLM, all the stuff that was going on, that was being purposely orchestrated to create that kind of mistrust yes. between the races, between people. I mean, if you look at what the 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 difference in the way the Antifa and BLM riots and they were riots and people were hurt and killed, uh, and it wasn't just the individuals that were BLM and Antifa in fact it was rarely them it was cops and and uh you know people that just happened to show up at the wrong place at the wrong time and right. it's my it's my observation that the whole two uh, two years or three years or four years, it really it started under Obama yes. way way back when was intentionally to create A a mistrust, a hatred between different groups, racial groups in particular, but groups in general to create the kind of chaos that justifies the sort of things that they're doing now.
3: Okay. You are speaking my language, brother. And that takes me back to why we started Stop Hate in 1992. Mm-hmm. We saw what the exactly. media did with this little piece of video, and, and they just started a race war, basically. I mean, California suffered the worst, of course, but it sparked things in this whole country and made people feel differently about each other when they shouldn't. It was based on misdirection and misinformation the way the media does. That's why when everything sense, brother— They've politicized, you know, and and even health issues and things that don't have anything to do with politics that that should be far from that. They politicized it. They they saw the race issues early on after all the civil rights era and Jim Crow and all these things. But to have control of a populace, you, you have to have some kind of mechanism. and And what they tried to do was was the hate crime legislation. But you know, over the years they found that it was really hard to prosecute because intent is a hard thing to prove. You have the crime, you have the weapon, but did he hate him? Is that why he did it or and how does that work in? So they knew they had to do something to amp it up. Look, they've used race to divide us, they've used religion, they've used sex. They've used, uh, you know, male, female Everything. preferences, whatever. But if you politicize those things now, you're not a, a black person, but you see the plight of the BLM and it makes you mad at white people too, because look what they're doing, but it's deeper than that. It goes back to mm-hmm. elementary school. You know, when you get in trouble and Johnny got in trouble and you know, you didn't do what Johnny did, but you got punished worse than Johnny did. Did you get mad and punched the principal? No, you got mad and punched Johnny. Mm-hmm. And that's what our government wants us to do to each other is to be jealous and mad and punch each other. And, mm-hmm. and, and some of us don't sign up for that because we see through that and know that we're better than that. And listen, man, if anything, I hope this movie shows some of those BLMers. That, look, we're all a lot more similar. We've had some BLM leaders come to J6 community and say, we see what they're doing to y'all and we have your back. Now that's mm-hmm. by and large, not the whole not group. Good. But the other thing they're saying to us, Dan, is that they had a lot of rallies and events planned that turned south, that they never had intention for them to do that. and And, and they were infiltrated the same way that we were infiltrated on January 6th with provocateurs and agents. And I bet now that we know how many FBI people were on J six or close, mm-hmm. and we know the, the Whitmer Michigan thing was a whole sting operation. Yep. Now it really makes sense that some of these BLMers, cause look, dude, black lives do mm-hmm. matter. If you want that to be your motto, I'm cool with that. I don't care. As mm-hmm. long as you don't get mad. If I say white lives matter, see, there's the rub. So Mm -hmm. all lives do matter, and I don't say that to take away from black lives. I say it because all lives matter, and that's fine. And I can say black lives matter. I can say green, yellow, red, purple. I don't care. All lives matter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I got your back, but I won't do the crime stuff. I won't steal from the people stuff. I won't take something good and use it for evil. I want to take something evil and use it for good. I think there's relationships that can be forged from group to group. I think what this is doing for most Americans, especially the white community that I'm from, is to say, hey, we never experienced these issues with the criminal justice system you know we didn't have problems as much with drugs crack cocaine or something that the inner city blacks over the decades have been plagued with not their fault either you take away the fathers you break the system you do the welfare so you do all this imprisonment and probation you get in the system you can't leave done
2: done by the most uh, done by the most racist president in the history of the united states certainly close if not the, and that's Lyndon Johnson. And he created this stupid nightmare called the Great Society that created the circumstances that he knew what the hell he was doing. He was trying to get votes. He was trying to get votes, but he knew that it would destroy the black community to do the crap that he did. And I'm going to go down, I'm going to go a step back, or actually not uh, before Lyndon Johnson, but uh, the Bush family. What a bunch of diabolical bastards the Bushes are. If you want to know why we don't have rule of law in this country and we've got all these uh, persecutions of political uh, criminals, guess what? Go look at 9-11, uh, which was an inside job, oh, yeah. and take a look at uh, the Patriot Act that was passed within weeks of 9-11 right. because it literally stripped our constitution of individual rights. Well, it's
3: amazing how fast they come up with these things, you know, just all of a sudden like, oh, you know what, would be a great idea. Let's do a Patriot Act and let's have all this stuff in in like three days and and be ready Mm -hmm. to rock and roll. It's kind of like when we were walking off the grass on january 6th and they were like "Oh, those insurrectionists those you know oh come on man y'all had all these verbs and all you've already been to your dictionary you've already decided what this is all going to be labeled as because you want that you 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 know and I'm, i'm about to break another video i've got videos of january 6th the night of where policemen were locking people in the hotels and I don't know if people are aware of this, but literally one officer Weinberger or something stuck a metal pole through the door handles where the people couldn't get out. I mean, fire hazard, all that stuff, but they were wanting to go outside, you know, and it was the curfew. I still to this day say that they were contemplating mass arrests that night. Now we know that police and agents were tracking proud boys and oath keepers back to their hotels. And I know in this hotel, there were proud boys. So I don't know if they were trying to arrest everyone that was at the rally or just wait and try to get the proud boys out of it. But for whatever reason, they decided not to do a mass arrest at six o'clock in the morning. Everybody was free to scatter because they decided a manhunt would be more expensive, much more fun, yeah, much more fun, more, much more dramatic. And this is the thing. Look, when you're talking about marketing, you know what the buttons are. And they know that violence and distress or the Kardashian-type situation, those are what people listen to. They want the drama. They want this. They want that. Well, if they want violence, we're going to show them some. We're going to show them the real stuff, not all this, oh, a Trump person said a bad word or pushed somebody. Because there's just not those videos of, some Trump guy picking a cop up and throwing him off the wall or chopping <laughs> his head off with a flagpole or anything. Cause it just didn't happen. I mean, it's stupid. And we've been over this time and time again, but the the public's about to get a wake up call, man. And and I don't think that you can stop the truth once it starts rolling like that. And we've already had a little bit of media coverage on it and hopefully it will grow and take fire and take root in people's hearts so that they know to support these people that's been the 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 goal of mine from day one is to give these people that hope you know that support that love and like i said man when you're in my shoes in my chair and you see this stuff and you meet these people and you know these families and you see others that never found us that never got hope that took their own life because they just didn't know. And then you got people watching your show, they say, oh, that's really sad, but they still won't share a helpline, they still won't share some information because one of their neighbors or coworkers or somebody, relative even, is a J6-er, and you don't even know it. And, and listen, I, I tell this story because a, a person contacted me on the website and said, my neighbor killed himself over J6. And I said, what? He said he shot himself in the head. I said, what are you talking about? He said it will never be in the news. Nobody will ever know that it's a J six related death. I wanted to let you know because I saw your death article, and I thought this is strange. I said, "Well, tell me how, how do you know what you know what happened?" He said he came over and told me, "I saw myself on CNN. It's just a matter of time." He didn't. He wasn't charged. The FBI hadn't been to his house. He didn't have the papers yet. He didn't get the flashbangs, but he had a family. And he didn't want them to go through that. And he didn't want to go to prison for 20 years for something he didn't do. And he didn't want to suffer through that and watch what happened to everything. He's watching it to everybody else. Lives being destroyed. And he killed himself. And 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 that's a horrible, horrible thing to know that there are so many other people out there that we'll never know about that we can't help, that we can't reach, because good people don't share And and that's a really sad thing, but I tell you, it's been an exercise the last two and a half plus years to see, you know, who's passionate, who's, who's empathetic, who has a heart or who's in it for politics or for fame or for clicks and likes or for selling books. We've seen it all. And and I tell you what, it gives you a different perspective. I know you've been doing this for a long time, Dan, and you have a great way of reading people and, and understanding what's going on. You can see people's hearts. And I tell you, all the J6ers saw that day was blackness. You know, none of these people on the Capitol or Metro had compassion about them. They they ruthlessly beat them until the National Guard was finally allowed after three or four hours, whatever it was, to come in. It only took the National Guard about seven minutes to clear everything off. So think about that. These poor, innocent people were forced to battle— for their lives, for hours. No exit routes were given. No warning was given to these people before they were attacked by rubber bullets and grenades. About an hour in, you can hear a faint recording on one of those LRAD machines. It looks like a little jam box. And you can hear it from me You know, across the room probably, in a crowd probably less. Um, and it's saying, you know, you must leave the area. This is a thing. This is whatever. That's an hour after they were attacking people. And, and that's not the proper order. So if this happened to BLM or Antifa, they'd all have a million point two dollars each. Everybody be sitting high and, and, you know, it'd be a different world, but uh not for these J6ers. You know, they're evil, horrible, uh <laughs> terrible, you know, God fearing. And, and Dan, uh, on that note, the only reason we're in trouble is we took our God into their sanctuary, that's and right. Desecrated their shrine where they worship each other in the law and and whatever idols that they have. That's not God. And and look to do that, man. It's rewarding, brother, to stand up and spit in the devil's eye. There is really something to say <laughs> about that. I suggest people try it. It's a little bit addictive, so if you have that addictive personality, be careful, or you'll be like me on talk shows and putting out movies and and doing all this kingdom work. Is that what I'm wearing today? Kingdom business. Mm -hmm.
2: That's what we're called to do, brother. Well, David, this is a delightful discussion for a very difficult reason. And that is, what we need to understand is that this whole thing has been set up for a very, very, very long time. January 6th was only a flashpoint, kind of a culmination of things that had been in the works for a very, very long time. And it isn't Democrats or Republicans, it's our uniparty state that controls the dialogue and controls the media and controls academia, and that uniparty is progressive socialist, globalist-oriented, they've been on the same track for uh, almost a hundred years in pushing us into this one-world system that they think they're going to control. And uh, when we look back at, at all the dynamics of everything that's happened, the dots do connect. And I, I have to tell you, when I came up with the, uh, the logo and the name of my program eight years ago, uh, boy, I, I, I am so totally glad that I did that because we get reinforcement every day because one of the most popular things that people say is connect the dots
3: it's amazing to do. It's an amazing thing to experience. And, and literally that's what we do every single day with this video is try to connect the dots and, you know, get a discovery for trials, connect the dots, you know, show people where they were through the day and track them, you know, connect the dots. And it is amazing because that's literally what we're doing. And, and Mm -hmm. I tell you, it's been an honor to come on your show and be able to have open dialogue you know it's really funny i don't think people realize for all this time there are shows that that we've tried to get our information on you know decent sized talk shows mm-hmm. and down you know anybody mm-hmm. and it's amazing when you call these people and you say hey uh you know call-in show or something what do you want to talk about they say so well, hey man you know let's talk about j6 oh no no listen we we're not allowed to talk about that sorry click you wow. know Oh, I'm telling you, people that you love and respect that you think would have a little dialogue about that on their show and want to raise awareness or something, that's off limits, man, for a lot of these different people. And and now we're seeing the popularity of J6. Now we're seeing that, hey, maybe you can make money off of this. Hey, maybe we can milk this thing. Well, I'll tell you that Uniparty statement you made, that is so spot on because, uh, let's see, January 12th, 2021 six days later, I tweeted out that we were going to build a timeline documentary, that we had videographers all over the place. And once you people see this documentary, this timeline film, you'll never trust the government again, either party. And Mm -hmm. this is amazing, but it's so prophetic. Because here we are, over two and a half years later, putting that timeline film out, and I promise you, once you see it, you will never trust the government again, either party. Look, one party wants it to happen, the other party's letting it happen, or do they both want it to ha- This is that control thing, like you said, Dan, and it's long game. They never let a crisis go to waste. They feed the flames, they fan the fire, however you want to say it to get what they want out of us. And that's more control, more power. The Patriot Act was a land grab. That, that's bottom line. That It's just like the Salem witch trials. It's just like anything in history, it's a land grab. They want power. They want money. And and when you hear them talk about January 6th, it's almost comical because we watch uh, one of the EMS videos, and they talk about, hey— we need more funding. You remember nine eleven, and and we needed more funding, and now we fixed all that. No, we didn't. We have to take our shoes off in the airport and get patted down and all that stuff for mm-hmm. nothing. For nothing. You still got yeah, guys that, that get in there and do whatever they want whenever they want. It does not matter. It's just smoke and mirrors and control and power. And mm-hmm. you know, we were talking earlier about hate crime legislation. Can I
2: can I stop yeah. you right right there just for one second? Yeah. Um. It's uh. It's uh. The airport thing, the the the, the whole uh, Patriot Act thing? Yes. It is Agenda 21. It they is. They said they were going to reduce human travel, uh, certainly by airplanes. They said they were going to confine people, move people into stack-and-pack cities and That's that right. sort of thing. That's exactly what nine eleven was all about. Isn't it It programming part of the process? It's It's programming programming people so that they don't want to fly anymore. I I can tell you, I, I can't count the number of friends that say I won't fly anymore. I'm not going to go through all that crap.
3: No, no. I'll drive to California from Texas. I drive to Florida. I drive to DC. I drive anywhere that I want to go. I won't fly. I mean, Hey, I don't trust the guys flying anymore either. They may have a heart attack or something. You know, there's all kinds of issues. But you're right, man. It's programming and it's long game. What it is, Dan, is strategy, and and we have to look at our lives like everything that we uh, 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 consume through the media, through our movies, through our music. I call it three M: movies, music, and media. You know, the movies show us how to live our lives. the The music tells us who we should be, and, what in, and the media explains where we are and what's going on. And it's all a lie. And, and, and when people realize, hey, there is way more to life, if you never watch television again and just went to church on Sundays, you would have a different life. You would have a different experience here on this planet and you would be a happier person. You'd be amazed at how all that stress and stuff melts away if you're involving yourself in other people's lives trying to help them. Your problems seem to just vanish or you don't have time for them and they'll go away. You know, it, there's things, but you know, this hate crime legislation we we're talking about that had its limitations. It's hard to prosecute that. So this government knew long term it needed to come up with something better that was more inclusive. And that's that domestic violent extremist clause that we hear about. George Washington University, Dalton University, all these bad funded universities that spit out all these graduates that go straight into Ag positions or you know strategic places uh, and and work hand in hand with the Congress in writing these laws. Man, they've slipped in this domestic violent extremist, and now if you're a threat to persons or property, you can be detained, jailed indefinitely, no due process, no rights, put in solitary, whatever they want to do. And J Six has been the proving ground for that. And 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 here's the reason I say it: you've got Enrique Tarrio that didn't even go to DC on January 6th. Yeah. He was the proud boys. Yeah. He's the president. Yeah. All that stuff. He was in Baltimore. That's he right. was in Baltimore. He was not even there. So mm-hmm. for him to be in jail for 22 years for something that he wasn't a part of physically. So that begs the question, well, how to, how are they taking him to trial in DC? If he wasn't in DC, why wasn't his trial somewhere else? One step further If I plan to go and do all this stuff like they say, where did that plan take place? Not when I got there. I talked to a guy from Mississippi. I said, did you buy your vest and your helmet when you got to D.C.? He's like, no, I bought it at my house in Mississippi. I was like, so... That kind of says it was premeditated. Well, uh, I guess I'm not saying you went to overthrow the Capitol. I'm saying you planned your trip and knew what you were going to take on your trip and what you were going to do on your trip. Cause I knew he was going to defend against Antifa. He went the first rally and saw Antifa beat people up, went this and saw other people wearing vests. went the second rally, knew how to gear up and be ready and ended up guarding some of the hotels and people had a free reign and had a good time. Third time he knew, man, this is going to be huge. You know, there's going to be Antifa. So he gears up, but he's being charged in DC. I think that they should charge him where he thought of his crime or where he planned his, not where he (laughs) committed, but it's a really crazy thing. And there's so many things with the justice system that they're pinning these guys with that just not true. And, and, And those other communities we talked about for decades, have suffered the same abuse under the same suits. It's the same system. It's the same lawyers, the same prosecutors, same judges, and they're all crooked as day as long, I'm telling you. And, and here's the way that works. They stack charges. They stack a whole bunch of, you're going to serve 20 years if you don't take this plea. We really just want you in the system. We really just want a victory. We want, want our pl- our pound of flesh, our win. And we don't care. Plead down to the lowest lowest thing that there is, a you know, a misdemeanor, whatever, trespass, and we'll let your seditious conspiracy go. But we got our points. Well, it was another one. Hey, we had to cut a deal with them. But we got another one and another one. Man, they're, they're up on their numbers. They're, they've scared a lot of people into submission. And, and we're seeing now that when J6ers get to prison and they're talking to other prisoners that aren't J6ers, those prisoners are saying, you know what? I'm not as guilty as they say I am you know, yeah, I I broke the law, but I didn't break it like that. Or I'm not, man, they stuck all these charges on me and got me to plea. We're hearing the same stories from other people. And I think this is that crossover moment to say, okay, BLM, okay, friends on both sides, let's get together and fix this justice system, this judicial process that keeps breaking us all and destroying our families and removing the fathers. And we apologize because not all of us saw this earlier. We apologize that it didn't affect our neighborhoods as much as others sooner on for us to get involved because Mm -hmm. it's beyond time for us to get involved. Yes, there are travesties, grave misjustice and injustice happening every single day in our foster systems, in our prison, in our courts. And it needs to be fixed, man. There's, there's a reason we have more prisons than anywhere because it's a lucrative cash cow. And it's all about the decimation of America. Like you said, it's a long game, Dan. And if you can destroy the family, you've got it. You you don't have a leader. You don't have a future. Who's going to train those little kids, you know, to be the men they should be if they don't have a man in their life to be the example, because the system broke him and and made him somebody he shouldn't have been in the first place.
2: It, it's just amazing. Or, or the system uh, paid women to get pregnant and have babies uh, without any knowledge of a father uh, because that's the way the system's set up. You don't do that sort of thing out of stupidity, you do it because you intend to do it. That's I right. mean, I know that a lot of people argue with me on that, but I don't see much of anything that's going on in this country today as being an accidental or a a miscalculation. These people are calculatingly evil. They are uh, the, the most corrupt and nasty individuals in the world, and it's time for us to quit going along with the program. And all we've got to do is just say no just say, I'm not going to play your game. I'm not going to do this crap.
3: I'm excited about that. And that's what we're learning. You know, and and I think I, I say this a lot when I walk around talking to people and stuff, but back in 2016, Trump said, I'm taking this presidency. I'm taking this power and I'm giving it back to you, the people. We don't know what that feels like in our hand. You know, we don't know how to wield that power. We don't know really what to do with, that obligation and responsibility on top of the cool stuff about having power, right? Because there's a balance that has to happen. And we've got to get ahead of that. And we've got to understand what it means for us to have that kind of control. And and I'm I'm not sure where this goes other than In a good position, a lot of people think, man, this is the end, you know, where it's got to be end times or, you know, Jesus must be right around the corner now looking to see if it is it time to come in because because we're done. But I don't see God up there worried. I don't see him wringing his hands. I don't see him saying, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do about COVID? Or, oh, my gosh, uh, these J6ers, they've got them. You know, I don't see that with my God. I see my God saying this is an opportunity. I will not waste your pain. I will not waste your tears. And and listen, I've been working a lot with Lara Logan and her team on her documentary series that she's put out about January 6th. And we try to provide video and evidence and timeline material and any kind of background material we have on these things to share with them and their team helps them on their workload. And they do such amazing work when the final product is seen. It's just amazing. So I've been working with her and... And just knowing that bigger media voices are, are getting the eyes on this. So what I'm getting at, you know how prayer works, it's collective, you know, and and the more people that pray, and I don't care what people's religious background is, if you're doing the own thing together, I don't care, but there's power in numbers and there's power in prayer. And, and so when I think about January 6th, I think that most Uh, Big events in our country have a mourning session where, where, you know, a time to mourn. There's a season for everything. Let's take JFK. When he got shot, the country was mortified. So sad. Worst thing ever. Anytime there's a war, so sad, horrible. Of course, we rally and we fight, but we're sad. You know, there's this. I, I think there's this disconnect about January 6th because we never had the moment to mourn. We never knew what happened, you know? And for people to now see through Lara's movies, especially the Matthew Perna one, I I believe millions of tears were shed for Matthew Perna. And I believe the Bible says God collects those tears. So I think it's a collective, Dan. And I think that our numbers are increasing on the amount of no emotional connection, empathy, sympathy, uh, uh, you know, but the knowledge of and the sadness and grief people should be properly outraged and properly. It, we need a, a, a good time of mourning. We need to understand what happened. That's why we started Patriot Day. That's why we started the half of the calls to action awareness. So people know all this, but I do believe that these tiers, as they multiply, I think, you know, in marketing, Dan, it's that 2% tipping point or whatever it is, you know, until you get up to 2% and you may be at 1.7 for 30 years. But as soon as you get to that tipping, you know, when I was a kid, somebody said, man, we should sell water in a bottle. I was like, that's funny, man. You get out of the water hose over there. Nobody's ever going to buy water. Well, I should have listened to that person because <laughs> now bottled water is the thing. And and it just took us a little time. And once we saw it, because at first we we're like, that's dumb, man. You got a bottle with water. I could have bought a Coke, you know, with sugar in it and caffeine and here you are. But, but hey, then health and all these things. So now it's just so normal. You buy cases of water at the store. We're almost to that 2% with J6. And the reason I say that, man, more eyes, more ears, even the Congress trying to make money on it, they're going to accidentally let more truth out than they want, you know, mm-hmm. senators and all that. And that's just the way it is. And these judges can't say these statements and remain as biased as they are forever without it getting out more publicly and publicly. And then Trump gets arrested and, and, and booked. And, and you're looking at this like now the black community is saying, hey, he's one of us. We mm-hmm. get it, bro. You know, they're doing the say. So you must be all right. You know, we thought you were cool and And here you are, same thing, oh, did you know there's some transfer over to the j six community? because we're his guys, man, we're the ones that showed up. We're like best friends. He invited us to the capitol <laughs> one day. So you know it's that transfer of we need your help too, and we're not the people you thought and and they are doing us the same way they've done y'all, and that's that moment, and that's where we say. The Uniparty can pound sand. We don't need that anymore. Put a fence around DC, call it a museum, throw food over,
2: and walk away. I mean, that, I'd, that's I'd suggest I'd suggest we don't throw food over. Um, I know, but that's my, cruel I, and unusual punishment. Here's <laughs>
3: what I suggest, Dan. I say we put them all in jail for I don't know three or four years while we look for discovery. Uh, that's what they did to us. I Bingo.
2: Mean, Amen. Food. I, I I know Michael was uh, in D.C. on January 6th. Uh, Michael, uh, you, you've you been hanging in there. You've been listening to this discussion, and I know Thumper has, too. Uh, I want to welcome both of you guys to uh, make any comments or ask any questions of David that you would like. Absolutely. Michael, it's good to see you, too, brother.
5: Well, oh, God bless you. Thanks. So,
3: yeah, I'm always— I'm, you know. Always glad to see a fellow J6er, brother. That's what well, I am saying.
5: When you're running into a lot of them cuz a, a lot of them there. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Lord, that what a crowd that was. But
2: It's it's amazing for 30,000 people, how many people were actually there? <laughs> uh, that's what CNN reported, 30,000.
5: Right. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah, right. but I I know, I've heard as different estimates uh and there's many as uh maybe a million and a half well i know at least a million and a half were there that because it yeah. was impossible not to be uh anything less than that but i've heard even more than that possible was there but we were on uh, january sixth. we were set up like bowling pins and uh, they had planned that entire they, the event they knew we were coming they know what they were going to do i mean the day that Trump announced, we're, you know, let's go there, they started planning how they were going to set us up. I went the day before, and I was primarily just to do some scouting. I mean, I you know, there were events going on, but I wanted to get the lay of the land, see what was going on, but I also wanted to see where the protesters were, and I didn't find any. I was running around, I was looking, I'm going, okay, where's the is where's the county protest because they were always around right and in see you then people started telling me well they're in the crowd they're wearing their hats backwards and they're wearing something orange and they actually corralled one of those guys in one of the speaking events there and they had him where they where the uh where the uh, uh fenced in uh and I tried to get to speak to him, but I was off to the side, could hear him talking to other people. And he was kind of like a caged puppy. He he really was, but he was amazing when people come up and talk to him, that you could see him soften and, and more like understand, try to understand what was going on as we try to understand him. But I started following around once I found out who the infiltrators or the Agitators might be. I started looking for them. I was following the things I'm saying right now. Probably have my door kicked in. Um, <laughs> you know, so I was. I, I I did some films that day that, you know, point to that, and that I would watch people talk to one another, then scatter off to another person, another person. And get together and start creating some problems. So, but the worst part about it is, I think that's coming up. It was next weekend, next next Monday. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Owen Scheuer, is going to jail, and but he's a journalist. That sets a precedent that we should never have to have to have crossed. And he didn't like, he didn't even, he didn't go into the Capitol. And he's on video several times talking about peaceful march, you know, Mm -hmm. and so a journalist going into jail for two months.
3: Yeah. All you have to do is say one little off color thing and they're going to say, well, you're not a journalist anymore. I have three of the journalists on the stop team that have already been to prison, already served their time, already gotten out, mm. still waiting on their appeals, still waiting. Yeah. They already served their whole prison sentences and they're still waiting on the appeal process. I thought when other people appeal something, you didn't go to jail until after the appeal, but not these guys, you go on and serve your whole prison sentence. And if, if it's If it's overthrown later, sorry, I guess. I don't know. You're going to go to jail. That's a Patriot
2: (laughs) Act. That's a Patriot Act. You're guilty until proven innocent. That's exactly right. It turns our entire judicial system on its head, and that is Mr. Scumbag George W. Bush that was... Uh, The reason for that, him and Dick Cheney. And incidentally, there's a reason that Liz Cheney was so vicious and so nasty on that January 6th commission and why she was put on that. And that was because she's covered daddy's butt because Trump was a 9-11 truther. And eventually, I know that that would have been a problem.
3: Oh, it was getting there. She did, too. She did, too. It was definitely getting there. I mean, there, there are things that you can't hide forever and people that don't live forever. You know what I'm saying? That the, the truth comes out sometimes mm-hmm. before you die and uh, sometimes after, unfortunately. But, hey, man, you're right about the, the criminal element. And I don't think people understand in the trials. You know, there's a lot of talk. Look, if he didn't do it, why did he take a plea? Why didn't he fight it? You know, if he didn't, if he wasn't guilty, why did he take a plea that said he was guilty? And, and you have to ask yourself, would you, if you were looking at trumped up charges saying you did horrible, nasty things when you know you didn't and, and they're saying they're going to stick you in jail for 18 or 20 years, but you can do six months to a year on a plea deal and you get it, I'll take the plea deal, right? I'm not going to fight it and take a chance in D.C. with D.C. judges mm-hmm. and D.C. juries. You're not going to win. You sure you want to fight that fight? and these attorneys
5: i'm wrong here but it doesn't dc itself because it is the district of columbia it's not even part of the united states yeah doesn't it play by a different set of rules or the the law there isn't quite what we deal with outside of dc isn't i would
3: i would agree with that i would say that it's uh Yeah, it's foreign land. I I think they use a different constitution or something, don't they? Yeah, no,
5: it's it's the District of Columbia, and it's well, it's under the Act of eighteen seventy-one. Right, it's a
2: corporation. Right, exactly. It's the
5: corporate law that they're dealing with there, Mm -hmm. and so it's a whole other vitamin. I believe that's why they got away with being able to hold people without bail, without charge, uh, which is something I think that would be very difficult to do outside of there. But they even explained that it they don't even pay attention to the Constitution anymore anywhere
3: really. They really don't. And holding these guys is easy for them. Now, they'll charge them, but they won't let them have their day in court. You know, everybody that's there has been, has been charged with something, I think. You know, but but the way it works is then you have to wait two years, three years to have a, a first hearing. A lot of these guys have not had, like, their first trial. So, it's like you might as well just hold them indefinitely with no reason at that point. Mm-hmm. And there was one guy, I, I take that back, he was— going to be charged. They held him for as long as they could hold him, I believe, a year and released him, if I'm correct, and never followed through with it. So it's a travesty to know that you can be robbed of your life and your time and your freedom. At the government's will, you know, at their whim, just to punish you for speaking out. And that's what we're seeing. You know, anybody talks about COVID, anybody talks about the election, anybody says anything about J6, pretty soon every little thing in here, you can't talk about 9-11, you can't say anything about Whitmer, you know, don't don't mention the Alamo, you know, everything, (laughs) you know, Benghazi and all that stuff. I don't know, man, but that's that authoritarian control, Dan, that,
2: that everybody needs to wake up and know it's on our doorstep. Well, that's why we we call this program When Common Sense Becomes Illegal, because that's what we've got. We've turned uh, common sense into a criminal act in this country. Uh, Thumper, did you have anything you wanted to uh, ask David or inject into the discussion?
0: Dan, I'm drinking all the coffee I can, but after last night, I'm just kind of just sitting back enjoying the show.
2: Okay, okay. Well, I want to... (laughs) I want to make I want to make sure that we don't leave you out if you want to be part What'd of it. What'd you do? Stay up all night, Thumper? Well, I had my late night show
0: last night and then uh you know the the next show had a lot of questions about some things and we started talking and so the show didn't I didn't get off the microphone until 3 a.m. And then I have wow. to wind down for a few minutes before I crawl in the bed so you know. I tell wow.
3: I Besides the could point. Not. I could not sleep last night, man. I finally got to bed about four thirty, four forty-five. We were crunching on this movie, trying to get this thing done and putting the final little touches best we could. And, of course, we could always do more and always do better. We just, you know, time restraints and this and that. But I couldn't sleep. Man, yeah. I couldn't get comfortable. I was so exhausted. I could not go to sleep. And I might have got an hour, hour and a half last night, I guess. But... Yeah, that's wow. why I was telling Dan, if my eyes are red, it's you know, I'm not hung over. I'm just tired. <laughs> well, that's, that's
0: one reason I wasn't here right at the beginning of Dan's show. I woke up and learned, you know, and rolled over and looked at the clock and he went, uh oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's well, the way it goes. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Do you have another clip that you wanted to show us? I know you would said that you had two. Yeah,
3: I've got the one at the bottom. Thumper, the uh, trailer for uh, January or J six, a true timeline. I really want to show people a taste of what they're going to see mid October to the end of the month. Somewhere between there, we will get this next film complete. I just wanted to put this short film out on the anniversary of the thousand days, and say, you know, as a, a kind of a, a a throw out there to nobody's ever shown you this. You know, this you're is talking the one about on the bottom stories
0: yeah it's coming soon j6 a true timeline yes sir yes all right give me a few minutes uh, moments actually get that out
3: no no problem that's the whole thing i mean it's a matter of um you know exposure for these people especially (laughs) everything we've tried to do has been to raise awareness for the prisoners for their families to raise funds for them help them through this you know there's no taking on the government you know they're strong powerful got all the money all the resources you see them dumping more and more money into the j6 battle to keep fighting us and we keep running around here on our shoestring budgets and taking them on man it's like that slingshot with the five smooth stones i promise they've got bazookas f-16s and nukes Mm -hmm. and all we have is this little slingshot and we're
2: winning you know little by little god is good to us and he's good to his people man There's something amazing about having the truth on your side. It is. is. You know, they can do all this crap they want, but when you've got the truth on your side, uh, you're in a whole different realm. That's exactly right. Well, y'all check this little uh, trailer
3: out for our next film, and and, uh, I think you'll enjoy this one.
4: What if I told you that the full story of January 6th isn't what you've been led to believe? What if I told you that at least four unarmed people were killed at the Capitol that day? What if I told you that there was no published restricted zone available to the public, and that President Trump wasn't allowed to direct people to the specific rally points around the Capitol? What if I told you that police removed hundreds of barricades from the area of the first breach, hours before it happened? What if I told you that the first group of demonstrators that breached security gates that morning had a police escort? What if I told you nothing, but showed you everything? What if we published the first accurate timeline with all of the footage and all of the context? What if we allowed you to decide? January sixth, a true timeline
2: coming soon. Wow. Well, um, David, I've got a question. Um, have you have you had a chance to work at all with the Epoch Times or uh, anybody else that's got um, you know a major film production on January sixth out? Have you had a chance to work with them?
3: Not film wise, as far as production. Now we submit uh, our film to. All the different groups. When they put J6 documentaries, I inevitably get you know contacted to submit footage. We have a vast supply, and we work with them on the storylines, on the timelines, because we have a very uh, developed timeline, all backed up with video and and all that stuff. So we we have categorized it and collected for two and a half plus years. And, and it's extensive, you know, and, and I think that that's where you were talking about having the truth on your side. Sometimes it takes a while to figure out what the truth is, even though you always knew something just wasn't right. Now, as the evidence comes in, man, it's just snowballing. And and I really don't know what our government's going to do, brother, because we've done all this heavy lifting and all the hard work by ourselves. We've built the support groups for the J6 community. We've developed our family. We're growing uh, you know, in, in leaps and bounds, and and we're strong. And it's not that we're without problems, but we work through them. And it's that we were forced together. I would have never met all these great people if this hadn't happened And the family that's, that's developing out of that is beautiful. And, and these politicians, now they're going to come around and say, Oh, we want to help you. We don't want or need politicians for mm-hmm. anything. And, and I think that's what we we're talking about coming together for justice there's another step in that you know yeah we can we can stop this prison system stop this court system work on that together but let's just go ahead and and make the united states of america as close to heaven as we possibly can that's within our power and our politicians are never going to do that for us
2: mm-hmm. yeah i agree well the reason i even mentioned that was the fact that uh the epoch times had uh, had a Uh, police and uh, weapons and military expert that uh, was testifying on how completely upside down the whole policing effort was and how it was so problematic the way it was done. But, um, you know, they didn't touch on the possibility that it wasn't an accident that it was done that in that way intentionally. In other words, you know, you mentioned the uh, National Guard. Uh, Trump tried to get the National Guard in there. He offered the National Guard in there days before January 6th, and uh, they refused it. And I think the reason they refused it is because National Guard are full of people that are just average uh, Joes like you and me And, uh, when they got there, they would be less likely to be excited to the point where they would, uh, panic and, and start shooting.
3: It's very on purpose. And like we said about the Metro police, that's what they do every day. I mean, they, they fight Antifa BLM in the streets. That's the Metropolitan Police Department for DC. The National Guard doesn't play games and they're not political and they're not going to do what their bosses tell them if it's bad stuff. Because, like you said, they're just regular people doing a job, and and they're not part of a clique or a club like maybe the Capitol and Metro Police. So that's why they were held. And even even Steve Sund, Chief Sund, tried for what seventy one minutes, made eleven calls in seventy one minutes, something like that, to to try. Where is the guard? I asked for the guard. Is the guard here? Is it on the way? Is it on the way? And he said they were in visual sight. These National Guardsmen were in visual sight, and that they could have self. Uh, committed, you know, that they could have Mm -hmm. come running, that they don't need a command, they don't need an order, but for some reason, you know, they they weren't dispatched till then. And and we know the reason. It's for more carnage, more death, more devastation, more choreographed chaos. And, you know, when you've got guys that are Metro PD chiefs in the halls, uh, in the tunnel screaming, give them hell. You know, you've got Lila Morris over there with her uh, racist rage, you know, beating on these people and 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 then gets rewarded at the Super Bowl because she gave him hell and she was injured. Come on, man. You know, Fanone had a heart attack. Come on, man. Had brain damage. Are you kidding me? We've got the video of Officer Fanone, his body cam, his own body cam where he says he was unconscious and drugged down the hall. No, dude is awake. Looking around with his eyeball, trying to turn his camera off a couple of times. He can't get it to turn on. He thinks it's off, so he's looking around while he's doing his thing. It's hilarious. <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, "This guy's not asleep." And then he walks outside with his partner to the paramedic guy, and he says, uh, yeah, yeah, "I got I got drug out in the crowd, you know." And the guy says, "Well, are you okay? What happened to you?" "Uh, uh they they drugged me out, trying to kill me." And he said, "Well, what what happened? Did did they kick you? Or yeah, 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 yeah." Oh, well, let's check you out. And, and now remember, walked on his own power with his buddy. Didn't get hauled off in an ambulance with a heart attack and two brain things. But anyway, so this paramedic guy goes, uh, you know, medic says, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see anything. He checks his bones. He touches him. He does all the stuff that medics do, feels him, and he didn't do any of that. Ow, ow, any of that. So he said, you know, I don't see anything wrong with you. So he, he, here, why don't you drink this water? And why don't you sit over here for a little while until you feel better? It's like playground. I fell down. Well, sit over here, (laughs) Billy, until you feel better. And so literally, that's what happened. And his buddy Jimmy had testified that when they walked out, man, he was violently throwing up from all the gas. He said he was sick from all the gas and all the – he never threw up. Man, they were joking around. He said, he said, well, man, I lost my clip. He said, well, I lost my clip, too, and I lost this. We're going to get new stuff, and we'll just keep that other stuff. Literally talking about how they're going to rip off the, the the Capitol Police by saying their equipment <laughs> got lost. It's all a video. These guys are idiots, and here Fanon gets in front of Congress and everybody and writes a book and gets on the news telling all these lies. We're just hopeful that there is a little justice in the mm-hmm. justice system and that guys like Officer Dunn and Leroy Bird, Michael Bird, Tarek Johnson, all these guys that lie and cover, they're complicit in crimes. You know, there is a cover-up. That is illegal. The media is right up there with them. Half mm-hmm. of our politicians are right up there with them, if not all. And that's a really hard statement because we've got two or three that we think are our friends, but then I think about the two or three years that have gone by, and then I think they're not mm-hmm. because, look, Everybody says, well, what can Congress really do? Well, they can impeach judges. They can start investigations. They can go to the jail daily or weekly and visit these people. They can make public statements. They can hold hearings. They can put the evidence out to the public. They could subpoena me and make me turn over everything I've ever seen on J6. Wow, what an idea. Uh, You know, There's all kinds of things that they could do, but they won't. So it tells me they're not on our team. They don't work for us. They don't love us. They don't care for us. And it doesn't bother them when we die at the hand of someone very cruel, because that's what's happening. Every suicide that we have, that 22-year-old kid that killed himself a month ago. I mean, guys, come on. This is where we are, and that, that doesn't do anything to our politicians. They still do Thanksgiving, and they still give thanks for everything that they've taken from us. They still do Independence Day and they say, hey, we're independent from the little man because we've taken everything the little man has. They still have these holiday. We don't have independence and we don't have a whole heck of a lot to give thanks about when it comes to the perception and the availability and the workability of our government and us. So I think that's the outrage. I think that we were talking earlier about saving the tears. That's where that all comes together. And, and I think once this goes past that tipping point, It's going to be a snowball, you know, that that we've never seen before and go so fast and so hard. And I hope all that timing is God's just perfect timing that Trump comes right back. Everything comes to a head. And, And look, Dan, we've told you, man, I've been planting seeds about this stuff for years. I hope they all come to harvest at the same time. We need a plentiful, bountiful harvest that's undeniably God's. And I think that's really the message that that I've tried to share with people for the last couple of years.
2: No, that's a good a good message, and it it's uh, it's exactly the way it should be. It's like you know we you're talking about this avalanche of truth. That's really where we're at right now because we've been conned for so long and have heard so many untruths over the last ten years. We, you know, we, we are starting to wake up. The American people, I've seen, I think that tipping point uh, it was about two years ago. I think, in fact, three, because I think the whole COVID scam really started opening that door because people started to realize, wait a minute, what's going on here? This doesn't make any sense. That's where common sense factors into the equation, and they cannot take away everybody's common sense. They can make it illegal, like they've tried to do, but they can't take it away.
3: Well, imagine how mad people are going to be when they figure out that it's just like we were talking about the and and being mad at Johnny, because Johnny didn't get the same punishment. You punched Johnny because he got an easier deal than you did. When people understand that January 6th was to divide the country. Right down the middle, listen, I've said it, you've heard me say it, it was our civil war. It really was, but it wasn't a civil war amongst the people from left to right. It was the civility between the people and the government saying, we're not gonna stand for this. And it was because of COVID and it was because of the shutdowns. It was because of the businesses. It was because of everything and the election. Sure, the election was a huge part because we saw that if we lost that, we lost everything else that we had tried to hold on to for these years and 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 what they've done to us. So really, honestly, when you find out that this was an attempt to divide left and right, look, it was sex, it was politics, it was race, it was religion, it was all these different things. Now it's all political, all for reason. Now they have us on two different teams, red side and blue side. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground. You know, okay, you can be libertarian, all these things. You've got to pick a side. You've got to pick a side. Are you with the Democrats? Are you with the, I mean, that's how divided we are. And here's the thing. Good people went to January 6th not to do bad things. Everybody's being told, oh, y'all hurt a cop. Y'all killed a cop. Y'all, y'all injured 140 policemen.
2: That's just nonsense.
3: You know what's funny about that? And we're doing a, a little study right now, <laughs> a little uh, research. You remember these videos where the cops would shoot those grenade launchers with the smoke and the wind would blow it back on all the police? Have you seen some mm-hmm. of those videos? Mm-hmm. There were times when 20 or 30 cops at a time were running off of the thing. They were choked out and coughing and everything from their mm-hmm. own. Mm-hmm. Every one of those injuries was counted to J6ers. Every single, now there are no injuries in there from the police to the police, although there were. Mm -hmm. So when you start talking about 140 injuries, you could probably take about 100 of them off real quick from cops hurting cops. Mm -hmm. And then what do you have? 40 people that were hurt that day? And how? Some twisted their ankles, some fell down, some got hit in the head by other cops. A lot of different things happen. We have a lot of stuff on video. It's kind of say, even Brian Sicknick, the officer got hit in the head by another policeman and sprayed by another policeman. So a lot of stuff like that, but the J sixers get all the blame. So what are people going to think when, when they find out, man, they lied about those people. So I would hate them or they've been lying about the other people. So I would hate them. They've been treating us differently so that we hate each other. So we can't get together. So we won't talk. They keep us divided because that's what they're really scared of because literally we can do all this without them we just need each other. And that's kind of where we get back to the basics, back to God and back together. United we stand. I mean, that's how that whole thing works. Divided we die. Like I said, in bloody hill, that's not where we want to go. That's never been our intention. We want life and more abundantly. The other team wants to steal, kill and destroy. So when you break it down like that, it makes it really simple to live your life and, and see what to and what not to get involved with and try to steer clear of the bad stuff. But I tell you, man, there's a lot of great people in a lot of harm's way right now that are appreciative of you, Dan, for giving us uh, an audience, a platform. Uh, I know we were talking briefly yesterday, and and I don't know, I, I guess you understand how important it is to me and how much it means to me Uh to have your friendship, man, and be able to do this. And no, I'm, how critical, I'm, brother, to get that writing history off the ground in the very beginning. That was because of you. That was your faith. Even Ed Griffin said, we may have to fire this guy. And then you, <laughs> you said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I think he'll be okay. I think this guy's okay. And man, that vote of confidence right there, brother, changed. You know, I was really, really upset. I can't believe you're not going to let me show this. It's history. Are you kidding, mm-hmm. right? It really floored me. But I understand children, different audience, different stuff. I never even considered the the alternative and it turned out beautiful with a PowerPoint because it was just an explanation. And I think people really appreciated that. But well, those are the things, I'm, man.
2: I'm gonna say I'm gonna suggest something here. So, uh, I well, first of all, you need to get me um, as soon as you're ready to release this stuff, I want a copy of it. I want a couple of copies, I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to pay for them. But I, you know what? I think we need to be talking to Mickey Willis. I think we need Mickey's help in getting your 9-11, uh, or 9-11, I'm sorry, uh, January 6th project, uh, the kind of notoriety that it deserves. And, you know, Mickey Willis, his pandemic Uh, series has gotten over a billion views amazing that That is absolutely and you talk about a wonderful patriot uh mickey willis is it and i don't know if you know anything about his background but he started out as an ultra liberal uh he actually was filming bernie sanders campaign as a big supporter of bernie sanders when he started to say, "Wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Where's all this money going to come from? That's going to pay for all this crap." Well, he started having his epiphany, and then uh, not the the uh, COVID, uh, you know, the pandemic hit, and that was his tipping point. He went over to the other side, and he's one of us. So I, you know, I'm I'm going to really work on that. I'm going to get a hold of Mickey, but I need your, uh, finished product before I can do that. And I will make a connection there that I think, uh, those are two dots that need to be connected. You and Mickey.
3: I'm telling you, he's a great guy. I have met him and talked briefly and, and you know how people specialize, man, he's definitely got his specialty right there with the whole pandemic series. He's done amazing things and the awareness that that's brought people, you know, and, and we just hope to have, a, a portion of that size of audience for awareness. You know, we're, like I said, we're not trying to make money. We're trying to make freedom. That's a big difference, but he is. Well, he, see, he,
2: he's got some pretty big sponsors and I don't know if you saw his, uh, his most recent film, but he's gone, uh, he's gone off the uh, pandemic rails a little bit and he started, and like Michael says, um, uh, I, or I'm sorry, um, um uh oh, for crying out loud. Now I lost it. Mickey. Uh what what Mickey said to me was, uh, I'm just starting to realize how much bigger this picture is than just uh, a, a a pandemic or any of this stuff. He says, I I see it now. It's all about world government, about world communism. It's about all these things that are popping up. And he said, I have no I had no idea about that.
3: Most people don't. Most people yeah. never think past their driveway or their or their job or the mall or the T-ball field or Applebee's. You know, why? Mm-hmm. I don't want to bother myself with things that don't involve my life, but they do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we've been led as sheep. Oh, we're going to let our politicians. How many businesses do you know of that you can own and let somebody else run it? And everything's going to be just honky door that your business is going to grow. It's going to get better. You're going to get richer because you're letting someone else run your business for you. It doesn't work that way. We have to run our own business. Mm -hmm. And at some point we were led to believe that everybody else could do it better. They're smarter than us. They must know something. They, they, They have a better understanding how it works. And then we look in real time at our current politicians they're pretty low on the IQ scales, man. I mean, anybody could probably do a better job than these folks, and yet we're letting them run the show for us. I, that scares me. But mm-hmm. and, and Dan, there's so many issues with whose government is it? Whose country is it? What's going on? The corporation stuff and all that. And it's scary. And and people, man, it's a lot to chew on because you're thinking, well, what does that mean for me? You know, what does that mean? Well, it just means you're a slave. If you're cool with that, don't worry about it. Yeah, but just if keep going. Mm-hmm. if you're not cool with that, wake up because as a slave, you don't have any control. If they want to come in here and kill your family, they can. So just be ready for that. If they don't want to feed you, they don't have to be ready for that. If they want to turn your power off and watch you freeze to death in the winter, be ready for that. Get a blanket because you signed up for it. But if you want freedom, there's a different path. And, and you know, we talk about all these big problems and it's a big world and it's a big plan and it's long. It's, it's strategy. It's long game. Like we've never seen, we're talking hundred years, 200 long game. And we don't Well, why when our lifespan is this big. Well, think about that for just a minute. You know, it, it is good versus evil. It, it's not about a man's lifespan. It's not about us as much as it is freedom, which comes from God. So that's a different kind of, we, we, we use this cheap imitation of, Oh, I can have freedom over myself, freedom to choose freedom, this and freedom of that. The freedom to do what's right is, is what's important. The freedom to follow God is what's important. We've so been led astray that it's about happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, when, when life, liberty, happiness—those those things don't necessarily those three don't go together, because they, they, it, it, there's no guarantee on this elusive happiness thing. The old version said ownership of property, right? right. I kind of like that better. But then the government—life, liberty, so what? and
2: property. If
3: yeah. they own all the all the property, they don't need the government. We've got to do something. Let's change that line and make it happiness. Let's make it elusive, and they'll never find it. It'll be fun. And that's kind of where we sit. And it's really sad, but. You look at the all caps and the lowercase and the judges and the oaths and, and the politicians and their oaths, people that haven't taken them, people that should have. And and it's amazing to see where we are and to find out who's running the show and who's behind the curtain and who's doing what. You talked earlier about, uh, you know, Bush being mm-hmm. so divisive in the Patriot Act and what that's done to Americans. I remember interviewing uh, two different couples always come to mind during the Obama era. He had just been elected and and I was hanging out with this black couple. And I said, I got to ask, what's your, what's your thoughts on Obama? And they said, most divisive president ever. As soon as he was elected, man, even before the division, you could feel it. You could see it. There's a thing. And now when we look at each other and there's this deal and there's this thing. And then I asked a, a couple from Miami, a uh, Puerto Rican couple. He said, "Man, he's the biggest hater I've ever seen." He said, "I've never seen anybody. You know, this is bad, bad, bad." And I'm thinking, here's two different people of color. You know, just having a a, a very frank conversation. We we're just talking, and I ask a question. They were honest. And, and when you think about long game, and you think about division, and you think about race and religion and sex, wait, it's more of the same. Here we are. We got this little bitty percentage. Little bitty tiny percentage of people that want to do crazy things with their bodies and do crazy say crazy things. And then, you know, 100 years ago, we don't even listen to them, don't give them a platform, don't, don't, whatever. Just go be crazy, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. Just don't bother me. Mm-hmm. Now they put the microphone in their face and say, This is what's important to everyone. Look, this half a percent of our population that dresses funny and does all these stupid things, that's what's important. And everyone gets mad. Look at them, and then they're mad. Look at the. Mm-hmm. It's so intentional, Dan, and people don't understand yep. that as big as the world is, as big as the problems are, as big as the plan is, God's bigger. And that's mm-hmm. something that we sleep well at night because, look, I know you shoot me tomorrow. I know where I'm going. All you're going to do is send me home earlier. You can put my body in prison. I understand that. And it's going to be bad and horrible and all that. But I still have God. He's right there with mm-hmm. me. And, and, and look, I'll treat it like a mission trip. So there's things that we look at perception-wise, Dan, that we've never been forced to look at before. And I think that's where when people really do that self-inspection, that you know, internal where am I, who am I, why am I here, that purpose is so important. And that purpose is to serve each other. And people in the J6 community have figured that out. They're doing an, out, uh, an outstanding job, you know, trying to support each other through the the worst thing in our history. And mm-hmm. I think when people find that out, man, they're going
2: to be really mad. Oh, I think so, too. And I uh, I think it's this is an excellent time to talk about because you've been in this fight for a long time, but you started back in the Rodney King days. You started Stop Hate for the very reason that you're talking about right now you saw them trying to slice and dice and uh, destroy our unity as a country. Now, one thing about the United States of America, you go back uh, 40, 50 years, we really were united as a people around the idea of liberty, we were united around the idea that we were a special place uh, because we were uh, gifted by God with the the task of uh, having a a true freedom in this country that nobody else had. We were re- united around that and. You know, the last 30, 40 years has been a gradual process to try to destroy all that unification, all that unity between uh, people of different sexes, different colors, different creeds, different religions, and and I refer to it as slicing and dicing our society to make it uh, not cohesive.
3: And and that's what they're doing. That's that division that we were talking about, even over the subject of J6. Look how people are so divided. I mean, you can say J6 and and you're going to get instant response, you know, from either side. It's instant. Oh, those horrible people, uh, murderers, cop killers, or, you know, it's terrible what's happening to those folks. But what are we doing? You know, and, and we look at that societally and we wonder, you know, how do you fix these things long term? and that's what we talked about getting back to the basics. Stop hate, you know, 92 was based on an acronym, you know, start turning off prejudice. You got to start, you know, we can't keep going down this road and you got to turn from the direction we're going and prejudice is just prejudging each other. And, and we know what hate is made of it's fear and ignorance equals hate, right? So if we educate each other, so heal attitudes through education, we have attitude issues, man. It's just our attitudes. It's really not. It's like third grade. You can remember when you and Johnny had that fight and he hit you in the mouth and you get mad just like it was yesterday. That was the third grade. you know how long ago, but I'm mad about Johnny hit me in the mouth. That's how it is. It's an emotional thing. It's an attitude problem. Mm-hmm. And the only way to heal that is through education, the conversations that matter, the hard stuff to talk about things that we're doing now as friends that we should be able to do with people that, you know, it's like bring back debate. You know, we don't have to hate each other. We can agree to disagree, but I have to get my point across or you're never going to understand that we're not the people they told you were, that we were when we went there. That's not why we went. If that's why we went, we would have killed everybody. We would have burned the building down. We would have took home uh, little ornaments, you know, so I could have a, a paperweight. I want that brick off the very top of the building as a paperweight. And that's what we would have done. There were enough people that were not enough police that's been established. But these are the things that we look at, you know, societally and then. We wonder why the other side, uh, specifically the black population, why you know they've been crying out to us for a long time to help them. That, that Hey, man, this is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah, I'm guilty, but I'm not that guilty. Well, you must have done something. And now the J6ers are experiencing that. So I, I think it's good. I think it's how we learn. I think it's painful, but I don't think God wastes that pain. Like I said, I think this is going somewhere better than we've been before. We have to identify it. We have to know how to you know, morph and change and evolve for less of a better word. But this is our opportunity. And, And I'm just hoping that, like we said, the harvest all coming together at once, it's a great chance for everyone to come together as one nation under God and finally be indivisible and not let, like Lincoln said, it divide from within, you know, and that's exactly what's happening with our government. And I'm not represented. I don't feel like anybody up there talks like me, sounds like me, says what I would say, believes what I believe, and fights for what I would fight for. I don't see anybody up there. And I, I challenge anybody. If you find a politician that's just the cookie cutter of you, I feel sorry for you because we don't have any good politicians right now. I'm just yeah. saying I I can't yeah. find any that that match me. And you know I, I as much as I hate to even think about running for office, I've done city council uh, I've done my share, mayor pro tem, all that stuff. I get it, and I try to practice what I preach. But man, I'm dying for people to run for office. I'm dying to get some real Christian, God fearing people that love America back in there and get rid of these criminal clowns that we have. They're all ex attorneys. You know, we're not mm-hmm. supposed to have any attorneys in our government. Here we are, chalk full of them. So there's so many things at work, brother, and and half of them are are nothing we can do by ourselves. You know, there's always the teamwork things. That's what we need help with. You know, we keep carrying our part of the load as best we can. Uh, We always appreciate support that we get along the way, but we're not promised that, you know, we're not promised anything other than, you know, our relationship is solid and, and there's going to be good times, bad times, and we're along for the ride. But I really think this is an opportunity, man, to have a kind of love in America that we hadn't had for each other, you know, in a very, very long time. And, when you look at the civil rights and Jim Crow stuff, that whole era, we're we're back in that now. We're mm-hmm. slipper, you know, right. A J6-er is three-fifths of a citizen, if that sounds familiar to y'all. Um, we can't vote. We can't travel. We can't own a gun. Can't use a bank account. Can't use anything electronic. Can't use Uber, Lyft, Uber Eats, any of that. N- nothing that has to do with... Uh, the internet or the web or electronic banking, your travel's really bad. You get the Quad S, they patch down, rub you down, check you for chemicals, make you miss your flights. I mean, it, it's terrorism. Wow. But the worst thing about it is the social terrorism. I mean, you think about your neighbors and your church and your friends and your family, and your school, what your kid's going to go through. And, and it's so pointed at, at you know, it's just like that Jim Crow stuff. It's just like that three fifths of a citizen. So I ask people all the time, Dan, when do we get our own water fountains? And when do we get our own bathrooms? (laughs) Because we can't use the same things society uses. And there's only one solution to that, Dan. You can't just give these people a pardon and make the, you know, their problems go away. You have to declare them as heroes to elevate their status to where they can overcome the obstacle that's been placed on their reputation by this government that will last no matter what happens, unless they're put on that hero status. And and I'm sure that um, you're familiar with the General Flynn pardon of free, of innocence. Mm-hmm. That's what we worked on. And I believe that's what the the people from J6 are going to end up with, is a pardon of innocence to show that they never were in the wrong in the first place. And they don't need a pardon that still infers guilt. They don't need to be cleared. They don't need to be freed. They don't need to be exonerated. They need a pardon of innocence, just like General Flynn got. And I think that will set the record straight. Have the ticker tape parades do what needs to be done to honor these good people and to set them up. And and honestly, like I said in the very beginning, Dan, they all need to run for Congress or the Senate. And if they do their two terms, they get lifetime retirement and they can go back to their activism. Do a good job in Congress, do a good job in the Senate, get your retirement, go back to the street, do your activism, and help the new politicians coming in, and do what we need to do, take this country back. You'll get all the funding, and nobody deserves these political offices more than the people who went on the day they were supposed to go to do what they needed to do at the right place at the right time. J Sixers for office and and you know the whole campaign thing. I had it all worked out in my mind, Dan. that We're taking the Capitol. In twenty four, and everybody's like, "Oh, easy, no, don't say that." And I, well, no, peacefully, peacefully.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Amen. Well, um, I, you know, I want to talk a, a little bit about the book that you work with uh, Rivers um, on uh, putting this production out, and it's called the American Gulag Chronicles, and you, uh, and and that was for the specific purpose of providing. A little bit of money for the January 6th defendants and for their families if, in fact, they were in a situation where a lot of them, when the breadwinner was put in jail, they lost their homes, they lost uh, you know, their, their uh, way of life, their living, everything about that. Uh, talk a little bit about the American Gulag Chronicles.
3: Well, they lose everything. I don't know any J6 er that's in a better spot that has more money than they did. And and it's a cruel place to be. You know, we're normal American people. We don't have uh, deep savings accounts and stocks and bonds and stuff. We're just normal, you know, working class guys. And this book does two things. It does raise uh, money for them. It's 100% of the proceeds go to j Sixers and their families there's the book cost they're shipping and that's it nobody makes money doing this it's not uh it's all volunteer run so that part of it's covered for these people but the important stuff is what's between those covers it's their stories that the media would not let out that the judges would squash that the attorneys would not help them tell the world and it's what they've been screaming and crying the whole time that they've been gone a lot of these guys have been in jail now for up to a 1,000 days. And and I'm not talking about 10 days or 100 days or a couple of months, years. And the fact that we can sit here today, Dan, and say that it's been years, it's disgusting and disheartening. And and this book really encourages uh, people who read it to get more involved with the Pen Pal program. We've got uh, Patriot Mail Project. Uh, and, and of course, this book, Letters from Prison, is just about 38, I believe, of the guys, uh, mm-hmm. their stories. And and it goes through it to say, you know, this is my experience. This is what I saw that day. This is what I went for. This was my intention. Because I don't think people understand the other part of the trial is when you go to court, you cannot use the First Amendment in your defense. You can't say I went to protest. You can't say I went to redress my grievance. You can't say I went to exercise my free speech or my right to Uh, petitioner or to gather in a group. None of that. They are going to take that freedom away from you and interject that your intention was to overthrow this government. These books, this book tells those stories of these people, what their real intention was. And not one of them says, I was there to overthrow the government. That's not the way this worked. It's not what anybody went for. There was no plan. And the proof in that, Dan, is that there were no four wheel drive trucks on the yard at the Capitol on January 6th. That's proof Mm -hmm. that there was no plan because I know every redneck that I know, if there was word that we're going to go overthrow the Capitol, they're going to drive their four wheel trucks on the grass and they're going to do some donuts and some jumps. It's going to
2: be I I grew up with a lot of those rednecks. I know exactly what you mean. That's exactly what we
3: are. I mean, yes. So, yeah. And and that's reality. And and the fact that three years later, nobody's come out with the plan. Nobody caught somebody with some paperwork. Nobody said, oh, here it is, Joe. And, and I'm telling you, conservatives brag. We're not the smartest bunch, these MAGA folks. And, and if we had a plan, we would have told somebody by now, oh, I planned the whole. Th- I was the mastermind. Well, you'd be in prison, but you're not that smart. You're going to have to tell somebody and nobody has. Says a lot.
2: Well, and there's people like uh, Stuart Rhodes that you know they've they've made him into uh, this evil mastermind. And in fact, uh, I know that Stuart, when he went there, I'm absolutely certain he went there with the understanding that he was going to be there to prevent violence and that he was there to ensure that uh, the uh, uh, the election committee oversaw the, uh, you know, the, the expose of all the really? crap that happened during the election. That was why he was there. That's and right. I'm absolutely certain of that. And same thing with the proud boys, same thing with a lot of them. Now you, you talk about the people that, uh, wrote these letters from prison. I mean we're talking guys that are the uh decorated veterans that have that served in the US military for 25 years. Yes. Uh that were part of a very uh elite uh military forces. If they wanted to be a problem, they could have been a huge problem.
3: Oh, let, let me tell you we could have we could have taken everyone in DC out if we wanted to. That was never the point. And you're right, man. I think Sarah McAbee, her husband, Colt McAbee, is in trial right now in D.C. He's the sheriff that was at the tunnel and tried to help Roseanne and push the cops back because they were beating her. And, of course, he's being charged with all kinds of heinous crimes that aren't realistic. But I think she said it best when she said, you know, if you want to know the kind of people that are sitting in this prison in in the American Gulag, um, and they are around the country, there's not just one. Mm -hmm. She said, if you were to walk into church— Walk down the center aisle and just pick aisle number nine or whatever, and just look down the road. You got a plumber, you got a carpenter, you got working people, you got a policeman, you got a retired military, just regular, everyday Americans. And that's the kind of people that are writing these letters. And you know what? There's some brilliant, brilliant people in there, just like everyday Americans. That have a great understanding and grasp on what's going on. They have a huge faith in God, which is growing stronger by the day. You would think the opposite, but these people are strong. They're founding fathers material. I tell people this all the time because if they weren't, they would have folded mm-hmm. and they're not folding. They're saying, you know what? I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to fight for my freedom, for my God, for my fellow man. And that's what they're doing. We just need to support them however we can.
2: Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. And, and if we thought somehow that the uh, the founding fathers now, you know, the ones that signed the Declaration of Independence, they were without question very, very brave men because they stood to lose everything. Yes. But you look at how many there were, and then you take a look at uh, January 6th or other th- events like that, yes. and, and you realize that... We've got the same kind of patriots today. We just we really, need to we just need to recognize that they need the support that our founding fathers deserved, and they had a heck right. of a time. I mean, you, you know, they're way more loyalists. Uh, I think I even put that in the article mm-hmm. I wrote. Uh, you know, the the loyalists might have been two thirds of the population. Only a third, uh, including everybody, wanted to leave the king. Well, uh, guess what? When everything was all said and done, and the whole thing was over, then all of a sudden that group uh, jumped on the bandwagon and say, "Oh yeah, we wanted freedom the whole time." Well, you know,
3: that's exactly how it goes. It's it's like that bully that's working his way down the line, and you know you're next on that list. Mm-hmm. You you just know your day is going to come, and and that's kind of where these people have found themselves. Now, I've said for years, I will fight the fights that you don't wanna fight. I will fight for you. Please support me and let me fight these battles. I'll go in the street, I'll have the speeches, I'll do the conversations, I'll do the hard work and the heavy lifting. If you don't wanna fight that bully, you better make sure that guy next to you is equipped and he's ready and he's got all his supplies and he got your support. That's the J6ers. They are fighting this battle for everyone else. And if you don't support them, you will have to fight it yourself. I suggest we get behind them and we do whatever it takes to make sure that they're well supported and taken care. Of. Even Trump said on his CNN interview that these are great people and they're being treated like hell. That should be a rally cry for people to fill their coffers, support their families, pay for their commissary, make sure they can make phone calls. We're having season change. They're going to need some warm clothes this winter. These prisons aren't like luxury places. I'm just telling you. So there are real needs, real people doing really good things for, like I said, all the right reasons. God and country, brother, I can't think any better too. And, And that's where we
2: are. Well, and that's where you are because you've been spearheading this thing uh, really since right after January 6th. You were there for the sole purpose of trying to film this event because you felt that it was an important historical moment. It was a moment when America stood up and did the right thing. And people need to understand that, and they need to understand that we have lost a great deal if we lose the freedom to redress for grievances, to uh, address the people who are doing those grievances, and the right to stand up for freedom. If that happens, uh, we've lost our country.
3: That's the truth. All we need is to lose one of the points in the Constitution. Freedom of speech is probably the most important one. If you lose that, you're done. You can't talk about anything that happened to you. You can't talk about anything that's going to happen. And 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 we're seeing that silence around January 6th, and we're also helping expose it and bringing the volume up. So, Dan, brother, I know we're out of time, mm-hmm. and I know – that I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you one, once again for having me on here. And thank you for letting me show that film. Everybody can go to 1000 days of terror. It's one zero 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 days of terror.com. And, uh, or you can go to my stophate.com and we're going to post it there as well, but help us share that if you don't mind. I mean, it's a five minute mini movie miracle. If you ask me, I, I believe we, Packed just about everything we could in five minutes. It's easily digestible for people. It's exciting. It's dramatic. It's all the things that they're looking for. Uh warning, it's full of truth. And I hope that mm-hmm. gets them in the end. So Dan, once again, brother, thanks for having well, me today.
2: Thank you, David. And one thing I will uh will say, the one that's coming out, the full length film. Yes. That is how long? It's a, a major <laughs> film.
3: It is. It's going to be over an hour. And, and, you know, I wish that we could literally just load these films down with all the video that we have and put it all out. And there's problems with that. We've built this one computerized timeline and the way that these videos like overlap, you know, like one of them starts at two, the other, but they all, and it's really amazing to see how much evidence we have. It's, it's being selective in editing that down for a consumable portion. It's very difficult. I wish we had the funding, to do a you know six part seven part two hour each just blow open every part you know focus on each murder focus on the starting point focus on the interior focus on different things because we have you know the information that we need and you know how this is man it's all out of our pocket we do the best we can with a little bit of a little bit of support that we appreciate a whole lot but it's hard to do all this now literally. On the 12th of January, 21, I said I was going to make this movie. It only took me a little over two and a half years, but we're getting there. It just takes a while.
2: Well, you've done a marvelous job, David. Thank you. And I am going to try to see if I can connect you and Mickey Willis, because I think Mickey is the one person that would appreciate Uh, what you're doing enough to try to put, put some bones behind it, put some, that would be great. uh, Some meat behind it. And uh, he's got the gravitas as a Hollywood producer to have it happen. Well, y'all keep your eyes open. Larry Logan's things. She's got a couple
3: more Uh, Chris Burgard, Nick Searcy, capital punishment Two is going to be amazing. And of course, J six, a true timeline. Find all these films, share them with people. That's all I ask. If you can donate a couple bucks to these people, help them out. If you can help us out, stophate.com slash support. But just help us spread this information. I mean, that's the most important thing we can do right now to set people free. And uh Dan, I love you and I appreciate you having me on today, brother.
2: Well, I feel the same way about you, my friend. Uh you're you're a wonderful person. God bless. And uh looks like digga digga Dan is ready to go with his podcast. So thank you folks for joining us, for connecting the dots, and join us again next Sunday and next Tuesday, and we will have more great guests for you. Thank you for joining us. From the lakes
1: of Minnesota To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas, oh from sea to shining sea. From Detroit down to Houston, and New York to LA. Where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say.